Thanks so much for being here. Good afternoon. So good to see you all. Um, my name is Chad Little. I serve on the elder board here, and uh, Pastor Scott has let me preach, give me the privilege of preaching a couple weeks in a row here. So my family's also here too, my mom and dad. I'm excited that they're here. So if you see them slouching down in their pews, you know it's getting real. Also, if you don't recognize from last week, I'm wearing my contacts, so without glasses, I'm probably about half as smart as I was last week, so lower your expectations. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that one of my motivations for preaching a couple of weeks in a row was to give Scott a break, and here Pastor Scott is volunteering both weeks you know, with our children, so it just shows the heart of a servant that Scott has, and just helps me appreciate even more what the Larson family brings to our church, so I wanted to point that up. So today we're looking again at Ephesians 3. Uh, last week we looked at how the gospel had that cultural context of a new king and a new kingdom. And this week as I was just looking at and reviewing what we looked at last week, I saw in Isaiah 52, so 300 years before what we talked about that, that Alexander the Great, the Greek gospel going out. Here's Isaiah wrote this here. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, who brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So that idea of good news being that we have a new king and a new kingdom uh, was, was a, a common way of understanding that gospel. And, and we talked about that this was a, a news that we could serve, right? We can serve our king. We can, we're loyal subjects of the king of the universe. But then we also talked about false gospels and how so, so often we're just distracted by good things that pull us away from our king and we start serving things that aren't our king. And then Paul, we kind of talked about how him sitting in a Roman prison, because he recognized himself as a subject of Jesus, he was totally free and living the purpose and mission that God had called him to, even sitting in prison. So today, we're going to be looking at that same section of 13 verses, but we're going to be looking at knowledge, action, and community. And I really think that those, the three sections, we'll kind of be reading through those as we go, really show how important each one of these, and, and I think all three of these are essential components of a healthy, balanced spiritual life, and I think we can draw that out of this passage. Um, we're going to be looking at, at just the, the picture of a three-legged stool and just showing that without any one of these, uh, we really become unbalanced. So, if we're ready to dig in, we're just going to start in Ephesians 3, and we're going to start with verse 2 on the first leg of that three-legged stool. So, Ephesians 3, verses 2 through 3, Paul writes, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Knowledge. So the mystery here, uh, first of all, I wanted to talk just briefly that um, some translations I found the word secret, and I don't think, I think mystery is a better word to translate uh, what Paul is meaning here. And I, I think the Jewish understanding of that word mystery is something that we didn't know that we now know. And, and it's Jesus as Messiah, the way Jesus... Uh, came and, and he didn't conquer the Romans. He died for us. Like that revealed so much to them. And 
the knowledge, um, the knowledge that he, he says there, that it's the mystery was made known to me by revelation. There's some backstory to this. And I, it's, you can find it in Acts 9. I don't think we're going to read through all of this. So Acts 9 and then Galatians 1 are our sources. I'll, I'll leave that one up there. But there's some backstory here that, that in Acts 9 you'll read that Paul has his encounter with Jesus. He hears the voice and he, he goes blind. He goes into Damascus where he was going to persecute the church, but he's been changed. He receives his mission there, um, even through Ananias, where he says, you will be a witness to me to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the Jewish people. So he knows his mission. But we have to understand that, that he did not just, he, even though it says in Acts that he started preaching Jesus as Messiah right away, he had, he had to spend some time figuring out how this really flipped his world upside down. And so in Galatians, you'll see um, that I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia. And as far as I could tell from my reading, uh, that, that is probably somewhere in Syria near Damascus. L later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So if you read the commentaries, I what, what we'll see is that Paul spent three years learning from Jesus. At the beginning of this passage, it says, this isn't a made-up gospel by me. God revealed this to me. And, and so the question, I think, in, in my mind, and I want to be in your mind, is how, how did this happen? Was was Paul just wandering around the desert, you know, getting visions or um, dreams or, you know, how, how did God speak to him? Because he did receive this knowledge. And what I want to emphasize is how important education and especially knowing their text that the first century Jewish world was. So Paul would have been, had uh, gone to school probably at age five, five or six. In first century, the scholars have, have learned that um, I think boys and girls would go to school at five or six for a few years to bait Sefer. And there, they're expected to memorize the first five books of the Bible. That's your school. Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And 98% of them didn't get it, right? They'd go back to their father's trade, their father's house. So the disciples, we kind of know, okay, they weren't in that top 1% or 2%. They went back and they became fishermen. But that doesn't mean that they didn't spend time years studying those first five books of the Bible. Their biblical literacy levels would have, would have beaten any one of us, no matter how, how well we know Torah. Paul would have been in that 1% where a rabbi could have opened up and started reading. If you unintentionally fail, not keeping any of these mitzvot, and then he would have stopped. And Paul would have had to know where he was and say that Adonai related to Moses and give him the verse and chapter. He would have been able to do that. That's impressive, right? So Paul knows the scripture. Once you graduate from Beit Sefer, you go to Beit Midrash. And there you learn the rest of Tanakh, the remainder of the Hebrew scriptures, right? The first two-thirds of our Bible, the Old Testament. So Paul knows God's word. It's interesting then that he's so far lived his life 
persecuting Christians, right? Because he thinks that they're twisting, they're drawing people away from following God. That's how he, that's, he's passionate and zealous about that. And it's through his knowledge of God's word that he thinks we need to, we need to stay close to God. And so he thinks anybody drifting away needs to be taught, like you can't do that. So he was zealous about that. And he needed Jesus to expose the lies that he was understanding and, and sh- turn everything upside down. And so my theory is that while these three years that he's in Arabia and Damascus back and forth before he's even going and talking to the apostles is that God is just put bringing verse after verse after verse into Paul's mind. And he's saying, you thought this meant this, but it means that. And he's looking at everything through that lens of Jesus and everything's getting flipped on its head. And it really has struck me the the more that I've kind of come out of um, a real uh, a, a know-it-all attitude of going to Christian school and growing up, going to church, and feeling like, yeah, I, I win at Bible trivia, so I don't, I don't even need to be, read the Bible. How horrible that is. And then being exposed to this level of knowledge and realizing, oh, I, I know nothing. Right? I, I, I haven't, hadn't read my Bible, and you know, I would read it topically, but I, I don't know my Bible. And that's inspired me to get in the Word. And, and Cami, I just love that we have a group that's going through the Bible. We just have to, we have to know our text better, because that's what God uses. When we have His Word in our hearts, God can use that. So that's some of that backstory of, of Jesus revealing to Paul um, what this all meant. But it does, as we think about, too, how, how does God speak? There's a book by Mark Batterson called Whisper, and he has uh, just a, a really wonderful way of showing uh, how, how God speaks to us through, the, through God's word, but also through desires, doors, dreams, people, promptings, and pain. And I, I highly recommend that book if you haven't read it, because God is always speaking to us. We serve a living God. We're going to just really focus in on, on how God's word um, speaks to us today. There's, uh, if any of you were at last fall's uh, Bible conference, we heard a speech from Jen Wilkin, and she shared uh, her favorite quote from John Piper, and it was this, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read your Bible out loud. <laughs> God speaks to us. We have a library of 66 books written by 40 authors that share with us who our God is, what he expects of us. It's, it's a, a brilliant book. So Paul, as he's going through the scriptures, he's seeing that this Messiah did not come as a military commander, but he came to sacrifice himself and to call us to be sac- sacrificial servants for him too. So some of the examples of things that, uh, well, let's, let's, in Ephesians 3, 4 through 5, he goes on to say, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And again, with that mystery, there were the, the prophets had uh, maybe a veiled understanding of, of what this meant, because certainly in this, in this instance, Peter, or Paul's looking at verses like Ezekiel 37, 28, then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy. 
And 1 Kings 8.60, Solomon in his prayer prays, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And then Genesis, God speaks to Abraham in chapters 12 and 18, 22, 26, 28. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Because with Paul's mission to the Gentiles, that was one of the biggest um, hurdles to cross is that the Gentiles did not have to become Jewish. They were a part of the family. And that's when we get to verse 6 here. It clears up. God an- er, Paul answers, what, what is this mystery? This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is a big deal. Before this, you had to convert to Judaism to be part of the family. And if you read Paul's letter to um, the area of Galatia, he really gets into that Gentiles don't need to become Jewish. And that if you, if you force them to be, you're taking the power out of this. And that the unity of the Jewish and the Gentile um, followers of Jesus was showing the world that, that um, the, the beauty of God's love, God's grace, God's mercy... So there's power in this, that united story. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to community here. But that's that, that knowledge aspect that Paul is talking about in this section. G.I. Joe, of course, teaches us, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. I think he's a little bit wrong, because I think it's just one-third of the battle. So knowledge... Action. Action is that second part that Paul talks about. And we see that in verses 3, 7 through 9. Then I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So Paul immediately went into action. Even before he had those three years of of learning, he was preaching that Jesus was Messiah. Action. Action is one of those things that's harder for me. I I like geeking out in front of my computer and studying the Bible and um, learning more, but it's easy for me just to stay in my living room on my couch reading, reading commentaries and reading and not putting into action. For other of you, uh, action is, is maybe your first inclination. Let's go do something. Let's, let's, let's show this community that, that Jesus loves them. And action is, is easy for you. That, I, I need you to help me be energized by that action. Because without this component, we're, we're missing everything, right? And I, I'm reminded of James. James in chapter 2 tells us, In the same way, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith with deeds. Faith is an action word. Faith is a verb, right? It's not just a mental exercise. That passage goes on to say even the demons believe, and then they shudder because they know God, but they're not acting the way they need to. So action, that's one of those legs that if you pull it out, uh, you're out of balance. So the final thing we want to kind of uh, spend the rest of our time here talking about is community. And again, with with each one of these, uh, you remove one or the other that you're unbalanced, and especially with community. 
this is where knowledge and action bump into each other and are activated, right? I, I think that without, without each other's perspectives, without um, learn, being able to learn from each other, it's pretty easy to go off the rails with either knowledge or action. But that balance that community brings with the differences of opinions, with conflict that forces you to put into practice the fruits of the spirit of patience and love and kindness, that you can, you can kind of live in a theoretical spiritual world without community, can't you? So in the, in the verses here, Paul says that God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So, part of this, boy, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time now looking at these verses. I still, I think this is a new mystery. I'm not entirely sure what, what Paul is talking about, that uh, mystery, that the wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So if you know what that means, we can meet afterwards and you can fill me in. But the point is that through the church, especially as Paul's looking at it, the united church of, in his world, that the Jewish people and the Gentile people coming together and showing how Jesus' grace and mercy bring them together, that's how we see God's multifaceted wisdom. So for us, this is difficult. Uh, well, you know, it, it, the, other, the other verse that it reminded me of is, is John 13. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the hardest thing... I think for even us in Big Sky is that we have three barriers, three tiers of, of independence that we have to overcome. We're Americans, right? We were founded on the Declaration of Independence, right? And that bleeds into, into our lives in a way that we just don't tell me what to do, right? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm half Canadian and I still fight independence, right? <laughs> so we not only live in America, but we live in the Wild West, right? We move out West to get away from people, get away from the cities, right? We want autonomy. We want to be cowboys. So we live in America. We live in the Wild West. And then we live in Big Sky. When we're sick of the West, we move to Big Sky, a resort town, or I, I need to get away. I need to get away further, right? I need to get lost in the wilderness. So we have, this is part of really the reason we're here embedded in it is our independence. And that does, it hurts our church because it's so easy to just go off and do our own thing and enjoy God's creation around us. But we're missing that third leg. And I, I just, the, the reading through this in the last few weeks has been such a reminder for me of how important community is and how important um, different insights and um, different natural instincts, like for those of you who are action-oriented, I, I need that in my life. And in that vein... Big Sky Christian Fellowship, we, we want to provide opportunities for all of us to be connected, right? So it, the very basic is this weekend gathering. We can look around and see, hey, we're all part of this same family. 
we can know each other. And then our weekend, our, our fellowship meals, once, roughly once a month. Those have been wonderful to actually spend time and get to know each other, hear people's stories, right? Um, the, then we have small groups. Um, our women's ministry, it's so amazing to hear stories of 20-plus women getting together and just getting to know each other and then studying a book, but that's talking about who our God is and how we're supposed to act. Our men's groups on Friday morning have been so amazing just to hear people's struggles and people's insight into how to follow God better. So our small groups, we have other small groups that uh, we, we have. We, I think we can do better with small groups. And so we're open to ideas. We're open to thoughts there. And then outreach. That's something that we, we probably don't do all that well that we can improve on. But these are things that, as a church, we need to be thinking about, aware of, and identify the, the difficulty that we naturally are going to have to do that. And just put it out in the open. That, yeah, we kind of want to do our own thing, but that's missing a leg, and that stool is going to tip over every time. Our lives as followers of Jesus are lacking without a healthy balance of all three of these elements. The foundation of our faith is not that we all need to rush out and pursue, pursue these three essential components, however. This, isn't, uh, this could come across as, oh, well, I'm, I'm weak in this spot, I'm, I'm going to try harder. But keep in mind that our faith says, don't pursue the things that you're weak at, pursue Jesus. Right? That is who. So if, if you don't want to read your Bible, you can go home and you can say, God, I, I don't want to read my Bible. Change my heart. Help me to be hungry for your word. If you don't want to serve, if you don't want to um, be in a soup kitchen or just uh, help in the community, you can ask your God to change, change that. We serve a living God who answers those kinds of prayers. I know he's changed my heart and is still, for the rest of my life, will be changing my heart in those ways. And if community is hard for you, if you're just like, I don't, I don't want to be around people, if you're introverted, what you pray for is that just a couple people will come into your life that you can spend time with that will help pull you out of, of yourself and that will give you inspiration, that will energize you. And if you're extroverted, then you can ask for more than three to five people, right? Give me 20 people. Bring people into my life that I can show God's love to. But that's, that's in Christianity, that's what we aim for is to know our God and to know Jesus and have Him bring out exactly what He wants. So our faith requires that we seek our God and confess our weaknesses. Following Jesus means that we'll turn to him to turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Following Jesus means we work together with all our differences. So the part right before this section in Ephesians 3 is Ephesians 2. And that the last couple of verses in Ephesians 2, Paul is working on this metaphor of a building and how we're all pieces of the building. And he says, in him, which is Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He's using this picture of each of us being a component of a beautiful building and that when one brick or one block is missing, the, the building is incomplete. Now, God still uses that. And there's also that image of, of our, all the blocks are different. Probably even standing up close to a wall, you might question, what is, what is this? 
right? You have to stand back sometimes and, and appreciate the entire building because we all have differences, different gifts, different opinions, and different thoughts. And God wants that to actually strengthen us in our building. It's that variety that helps us learn, helps us improve, and that makes this a beautiful building. A stud standing by itself, if there's a little breeze, it's just going to fall over. Right? That stud needs to be nailed in to a wall, and then it needs to be sheathed, and then it needs waterproofing and siding, and then there needs a roof over that. We're all those components of this building. We don't just stand by ourselves. So, to conclude, these are the three things in this passage that I saw this in the last couple of weeks that Paul really is emphasizing, that we need knowledge, we need action, and we need each other. So there's a few implications as we wrap up. Um, implication number one. Our God has revealed himself to us. This knowledge component is interesting because I, I think there's two ends of the spectrum of, of maybe like I was a know-it-all and feeling like, like I don't need to learn him. Like I, I know God, right? And, and suddenly we've boxed God up into a too small of a container. But the other end is, is the... Um, recognizing the awesomeness of God and being overwhelmed and like, how, how can we know this? this? This God is infinite. Why should I even try? And there's, there's a, the truth is that God has revealed himself to us. And so there is a way to know. God has given us ways to know him. Implication number two. Faith without action is not really faith. Faith is an action word. It's a verb. Implication number three, only in community can we fully engage our knowledge and our faith. That's the way that our faith and action get, our knowledge and action get activated. And then our final implication, only together in community do we reveal the multifaceted wisdom of God. Our God is complex, and that's why it takes the church to, to even represent him at all. And I wanted to even point out that it's not just this, we, sh we share, it's not just this gathering. We share this building with two other congregations. And so our hearts should be praying for the other churches in Big Sky, that we all together would show the multifaceted wisdom of God, that the, the, the larger church is who is ministering to Big Sky guy here. So that's my challenge to us today. Um, I'll invite the worship team to come back up and close us up with the verses that follow what we've been studying. Paul actually has interrupted a prayer with this section. And so I want to just pick up where he left off here. So starting in verse 14 of Ephesians 3, I want this to be our prayer as we wrap up. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From him, every family in heaven and on earth receives its name. I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to grasp with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine, by means of his power that works in us, 
To him be the glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.